Y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Plates, Empowered Lives podcast. I am your host, Jomani, the Healthy Habits and Lifestyle Coach, and we have books by Danis. Ooh, we! <laughs> so in another episode, I told y'all about her book, Good Morning, Beautiful, and the character Cynthia, who has PCOS. So we're going to talk. We're going to talk. We're going to talk this thing on out. I'm so excited. It's my first Black author, and we're also in this good month of February with this Black Excellence Month, and I'm so grateful that she is here. But y'all already know, before we dive into this episode, <laughs> you already know what time it is. Bye with me, y'all. Welcome to the Empowered Plates, Empowered Lives Podcast. Yo, welcome to another episode. What's up, Books by Danis? How you feeling? I'm great. I'm so honored to be your first Black author. Man, you are. You are. You are. You are. I'm so excited. You can't be like over the top that honored because I'm so honored that you allowed me to read my first book where there's actual representation for polycystic ovary syndrome. Like I've never, once I got to that part in this book, Y'all, good morning, beautiful. And I found out Cynthia had polycystic ovary syndrome. I couldn't put the book down. I could not put it down. I just wanted to keep reading and reading and reading and reading. And it might sound a little mm, cliche, but I like went and had my brother create a whole fire. And then I went and sat in front of the fire to keep reading. Like I took it from my bedroom (laughs) in front of the fireplace. But I don't even want to get too excited because you already know how vibrant I can be. But go ahead and tell the people who you are. Just go go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, I'm Danis. Um, I am the author of Good Morning Beautiful. It's the second book, book in the Trust series. Um, and Trust is a story about a group of women friends. They come together to do something for the greater good. But behind every group's collective story, I know there's an individual story. So I wanted to just take some time and dedicate a book, a separate book to each character so we could get a little more into what makes her tick what her motivations are and her fears and so book two is about Cynthia um it's my favorite of the three I don't know I just love Cynthia I'm partial to her so I was so excited to find out to find out that you also felt a connection to her and saw something that you could identify with I absolutely did. I love, don't get me wrong. I love book number one too. Trust was really good. I read it first. So I I, I am going um, in the series the correct way, chronologically mm-hmm. through the series. Trust was beautiful. I loved everything about the sisterhood that came about in trust, um, as well as the financial literacy, the sense of family. And I think you talked about it before too, how you had that, that sense of family when it comes to your work relationships, because you spend so much time at work that it was so easy for you to be able to kind of write and build those relationships in when it yeah. kind of talked about was it like Ruth and Irene was it mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. their dynamic was so um close within mm-hmm. that book of trust but girl and I <laughs> and I don't like reading them alone and I think you strategically yeah. wrote them to where they could stand alone and be their own stories but mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend it I would go in order um because there's there's a buildup. Like you're great at what you do. Like you are really creative um, with your writing. What 
first of all, how did you even get started with writing? Like, um, what? I I've been writing for a long time. Have I ever written something that I've shared with somebody other than a friend or my mom? No. Um, but I just challenged myself. I challenged myself to finish something and then also share it, publish it. So um, I'm not a professionally trained writer, I would say. I'm self-taught, but um, been a reader all my life. And um, I'm a little bit of a bougie reader too. I have high standards for what I read. So I wanted to make sure I wrote something that that fit the standards that I would expect in a book. So that's how it started. Write a story, yes, make it as excellent as I possibly could. That was the goal. And then to actually finish it and and share it with the world, that was step three. So what have you learned about yourself since you've been writing? Besides <sighs> that you're a bougie reader. <laughs> um, I've definitely learned not to be so critical. It's really hard to write a book. It's really hard to tie up all the loose ends, to develop characters, to answer all those questions without giving everything away at the same time. So I've learned to be less critical and look more at just the big picture. What's the what's the author trying to say? What story is the author trying to tell? That's been it's been exciting. So what is like, what does your process even look like? If you could get us into that, like what, what is your process? Um, it starts with an idea. So okay. um, I'm sorry if you're a, a friend or a family member, <laughs> because I might steal something that's happened close to me. Um, I'm really nosy too. I'm, I'm in the grocery store listening, eavesdropping at the bar. So it starts with an idea. But once I have the idea, then I try to decide how to make that a story. What's interesting about it? What would I want to share? And I do an outline. And from there, I just start writing however I can write. So it may be in the notes app on my phone. It might be on my laptop in a Word document. It might be a voice memo, um, piece of tissue. It doesn't matter. Wherever I can find it, jot that down before I forget it and build on it. That's how it starts. So first step is just to get it out. Gotcha. So good morning, beautiful. Yeah. And I appreciate you for sharing that process. And I think it's 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 pretty cool and interesting to kind of get to know how people go about creating the process, mm -hmm. especially for a good book. Like you really want your book to be good and not just be critical, but you want it to be something that you would want to read and that other people would enjoy reading mm -hmm. and taking them through the journey. Because sometimes you could read one chapter and be like, mm. yeah, then you try to keep going, be like, mm, I'll go chapter two. Mm -hmm. And you still kind of like, okay. And you got that slow buildup, you mm -hmm. know? But mm -hmm. with trust, you came straight out the gate with it. Yeah. Like you just went ahead and let us know what was popping <laughs> off at Ruth's house, what Ruth was going through. Mm -hmm. And it was like, glory, all it is. And yes. it's just like, you don't even want to put it down because you like, <laughs> you got this, Ruth, let's go. <laughs> so like you start really getting attached and um, getting in, invested into mm -hmm. these characters and into the story from the beginning. Um, it, it was definitely not a slow buildup. Um, so you know how to capture that reader from the beginning. Um, well, you captured me um, right at the beginning of, of that book. But what I love the most is seeing the, the theme of relationships in your book. Uh, I won't say I love that the most because I love the fact that you have yeah. representation with politics. <laughs> We're going to get into that. Yes. Um, but I think it was the theme of relationships that make your book so... Um, engaging mm -hmm. and makes it to where you don't want 
to put them down. What about these relationships really get you going when it comes to being so creative with like character development and storylines? Yeah, well, I think relationships is it's the spice of life. It's what makes your life whole. Um, and they're so complex. It seems like they should be simple. They never, ever are. And also I, what I really wanted to show in writing these books was you know, take for instance, in trust, it was a group of work friends and they had a work relationship that became more familiar, almost like family. But even how you interact within a friend group or any group is going to be dependent on what's happening. What's your backstory? What's going on in your life? What's your motivations? What are your fears? What, how's your health, you know, mental and physical, all that feeds into how you show up in a group, in a relation, any relationship, even if it's just a one-on-one relationship. So I wanted to explore that and mainly just show how that happens. Um, I think once we have a better understanding of something's happening in somebody's life every time you interact with them, it takes the focus off of me, 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 why, you know, why are they behaving like this to me? Or why are they doing this more so like something's happening in this person's life, something shaped them that has created the person that you interact with whenever you are in a relationship with somebody. So I just wanted to peel back some layers, really, I think, and just show that. I think you did a good job with that. I think what you just said, I loved wholeheartedly. And it was relationships is the spice is a spice of life and i've never heard of it that way i don't know if that's your your artistic <laughs> writing way of putting it in there but to be able to say relationships is a spice of life i was like oh that's catchy yeah. i like that yeah. i like that that could be on a t-shirt it could, it could be <laughs> it could be it could be um but let's get into this whole polycystic ovary syndrome yes. um being able to see that type of representation is is beautiful. Um, I created this podcast because I really wanted a space where um, women could really express their journeys of strength, um, being that if it was something going through endometriosis, polycystic ovary syndrome, fibroids, adenomyosis, because I was diagnosed with all four by March 2020. And I knew nothing about them until my diagnosis. And it was just kind of like, well, what is this? What's going on? What's happening? And I was just like, I don't want to keep having other people introduced to these health issues and they know nothing about it and they have no place to be empowered. Um, And so I wanted to create this space so that way we can hear all the different stories, be empowered and then start being advocates in our own life and figuring out what are those healthy habits and lifestyle changes we need to make to better create a vibrant life. Um, And so that was the whole purpose of this space. And so when I saw polycystic ovary syndrome and Cynthia and it was not mentioned in book one what was going on with Cynthia but there was little tidbits uh-huh. of Cynthia when it comes to like her weight um mm-hmm. when it came to Ruth being in the gym working it out loving being in there feeling good but mm-hmm. seeing Cynthia struggle with trying to consistently be in there be on that stairmaster yes. trying to get it um always finding herself in some type of relationship with some man from the church um mm-hmm. always wanting you know kids and a family. And it was just like, I, I never put it together until you gave her her own book. And mm-hmm. when you gave her, her own book and went in with her own story, I was just like, come through <laughs> Cynthia. And when I was telling you about it, you was like, 
Everybody always picks up on the relationships and the themes. You're yes. the first person to say, oh my God, polycystic right. ovary syndrome. And I was like, really? Yes. yes. <laughs> like, why, why is that? Why do you, why do you feel like that's not a big thing? Like, why was I the first person to, to pick up on the healthy? You know what I really think? I think PCOS among the whole other list of health conditions that we experience or that we're more vulnerable to as Black women, I think like within our segment of the culture, most of it just seems kind of normal. It shouldn't be, but most of it seems pretty normal. I feel like, you know, some woman in your family or a friend who's had cysts on their ovaries, who's had fibroids, who had a hysterectomy at a young age, who has heavy cycles, who's dealing with weight and dealing with a little bit of beard popping in, a little hair coming here and there, the dark spots on the skin. Like it's all been so normal that I think whenever somebody reads this book, they usually pick up on the bigger issues. Like, you know, Cynthia wants romance and she wants to be loved and and all these things but I think everybody a lot of people have glossed over the fact that her health is a huge underlying factor in everything else in her life a huge one because Mm -hmm. like even when it comes to like the the relationship within herself a healthy relationship with herself versus all the other relationships she were aspiring in in the book and I'm finished with it now I know another mm-hmm. episode I didn't finish it I'm done with it now so I'm not gonna spoil it for y'all um but you know something that you said and I remember you talking about it earlier you were talking about how it's so normal for us to have heavy periods for us to know people with cysts on their ovaries for pe- for us to see family members and friends with facial hair in places mm-hmm. that aren't normal um for women to have hair in um but it's not normal. Heavy no, periods are not normal. It's not what it's supposed to be. Cysts are not normal. Um, bleeding, heavy, mm-hmm. painful periods, all of that is not normal. And for so long, that's what we've been told. And we ex- expect it to be a normal thing that we don't advocate for ourselves to say this is abnormal because we believe it's normal. And I love that you said that because when you were, we were talking about it, and you was like, well, I know plenty of people with PCOS yeah. and fibroids. So it was like nothing for me to really write about. And it was like, but I don't like that's right. two totally separate things. Like you have somebody here that's experienced mm-hmm. these issues and you have somebody else that, oh, no, nah, my mom, he was like your mom, like yeah. all these other different people. And I was just like, no, like I've seen facial hair in my family, but mm-hmm. when I saw it in myself, I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's just genetics. You know, that's right. just hereditary. And I would get hot sweats and sweat at night. You know, I'd be like, oh, my granddaddy sweats at night. That's just yeah. part of my family. It's so easy for us to just identify something we've seen before in our family versus what's wrong with my body. Mm-hmm. Am I as connected and aware of what's going on in my body as I should? So mm-hmm. I thank you for hitting on everyone is aware and think that these things are normal when it's really right. not. Um, and because I know it's not normal, maybe that's the reason why it stood out even more for me mm-hmm. um, versus just her wanting to find romance. And I think right. a lot of times people want a, an external type of romance before mm-hmm. they really find that romance within themselves. And I think it wasn't until Cynthia got intentional about mm-hmm. being intentional about how she loved herself and how she wanted people to treat her, that's Mm -hmm. when the story and her life really shifts and into a like totally different direction. And at that point, I was like, let's go, girl. (laughs) Let's 
go. Because I mean, as soon as Vic detects, I was like, throw that phone, girl, don't you respond. Like, even my mom, who hasn't even been reading the book, but when I told you I got to this fireplace, so it was more in a common space, and she heard a few chapters, she was like, Lord, that Victor. And then my dog and my brother were like, as I just like kept reading that loud. And it was just like, it was, it was really crazy. But let's talk about your own personal experience. So are you someone who had your own experiences with fibroids? Yes. Talk to me about how your diagnosis kind of came about and how you ended up having to navigate um, the healthcare system for yourself. All right. Um, Well, it's just, it's just us here, right? Just me and you? Yeah. Right now. Yes. Okay. No, I will share this. I um I went to the doctor, my regular physician for a physical. Um, I know that every time you go for a physical, you have to do a urine sample. So I made sure that I didn't go to the bathroom before this appointment. I was holding it. Now, keep in mind, probably the last five to seven years before this appointment, um, I always made a joke that my bladder was the size of a teacup. I I'll, I have to pee every five minutes. Every time we go to a store, as soon as we get there, I have to find the bathroom. I have to know where it is. I feel like I won't make it in time. I had anxiety about this, thinking I had like urinary incontinence or something, thinking I'm getting older, thinking this is normal. Um, so I didn't think anything of it as I go to the doctor's office and I have to pee really, really bad, but I'm holding it so she can tell me when to do the sample. So she's pressing my stomach and she felt a hard spot and she said, what is this? And I said, I don't know. I, I haven't noticed it, but, um, but I said, but I have to pee really bad. I think my bladder's full. I think that's what you're feeling. So she, I could tell by how she looked at me, she was not buying that, but she was like, okay, go do the urine sample, empty your bladder completely and come back. So when I did, she's pressing again. She feels this hard lump. And I realized, I think it's always been there, but I never knew what it was. She sent me for an ultrasound. Um, The ultrasound showed that I had an enlarged uterus. Um, It was measuring um, the size as though I was 21 weeks pregnant. And um, I had uh, giant fibroids, like multiple fibroids and, um, cysts on my ovaries. So many cysts that when she did the ultrasound, she couldn't see my ovaries because cysts everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, now to speak back to what we were saying a little while ago, the funny thing is once I heard the diagnosis, I just thought, Oh, okay. I know. I think I remember my mom saying she had this. I know a cousin who had some fibroids. I used to hear commercials on the radio about this um, non-surgical embolism that they could do to break the fibroids up without having to cut you. So it's like, I had heard all these things, but I still didn't stop to say, why is it happening? I just thought, okay, here we go. I'm at that age. Let's take care of it. But, um, I went and had the surgery, best thing I ever did in my life. Um, and then I started talking to people about it. And I think that's the biggest thing is that the diagnosis comes first. And then exactly what you're doing is tell people, cause some people don't know and they don't know that it can be better. It's a hundred percent better. I feel so much better than I ever have. I wish I had done this years ago. I just didn't know. I thought it was, you know, even like you were saying about heavy bleeding, heavy cycles. The doctor asked me every year when I go and I've always said no. But that's because 
what other cycle have I ever seen? I only know mine. I mean, I don't like it, but we all complain about, you know, monthly. We all complain about it. So I'm thinking I'm complaining about the same thing you're complaining about. Not knowing that, you know, you're not using as many feminine products as I'm having to use. You're not having the pain I'm having. I just, I didn't know. So that's how it all came about. It really was completely by accident, but I'm grateful for it because now I know how to talk to people about it. I agree. My daughter. And we're gonna get in, we're definitely gonna get into that um towards the end. I definitely have a question for you um in regards to like providing some insight on how to best support our younger uh females going through their menstrual cycle through this cleanse um, mm-hmm. and what's normal and how to properly help protect them and preserve um, their womb health. But I think you hit it when you talked about a support system. And yeah. I think a support system matters um, a lot. And when you actually start talking to people and finding other people that can relate to you and understand, it makes the journey so much easier. Um, because like you talked about earlier with anxiety and depression and, you know, I know for me, I felt like once all of this happened and it was stage four endometriosis and I knew nothing about a fibroid until it was like, and while we were in there, we saw two fibroids, we went in and took them out. Okay. Well, I'm glad you went in because had you not gone in, like on the outside, you see what you see on the inside, you don't know what's going on. And it, it, it takes this deeper level of connection to start really being intentional about what you're putting in and on your body to hope that you're doing right by your body Mm -hmm. um, where your body is working with you and not against you. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's, it, it felt like betrayal. It felt like my body was betraying me because I always felt like I was doing right by my body, but I clearly wasn't doing enough. So when you come back and you say stage four endo and cyst all over the place and you got, you know, a cyst all on my right ovary and my fallopian Mm -hmm. tubes are now, stuck together from scar tissue. It's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, hold up. And it's just like, nah, you you can't just keep going by life thinking that you can do whatever you want to do or thinking now I have a diagnosis, I can still do what I have always been doing. And I, and I feel like that lack of action Mm-hmm. does nothing for you, but continue to have you stuck feeling the way that you are. Mm-hmm. And it's bad enough that we already have to struggle with anxiety. We already have to struggle with um, depression, but stress, mm-hmm. stress does nothing for our bodies and our health mm-hmm. when we want to live vibrant and we want to live better and we want to feel good about the things that we are doing. Mm-hmm. And I think for us both to be here and smiling and being able to say, I'm so grateful I had this surgery. I'm so grateful for this diagnosis because now I can be visible. I can be vocal to talk yeah. about certain things. There's this new level of connection within ourselves that allows us to connect outside of ourselves right. when it comes to different people. Connecting with this book was on a whole nother <laughs> level. And I, and I didn't want to seem crazy. When I came on Facebook to give your book a review, I just feel like sometimes we don't realize how impactful we are really are when we're out here really just living our our purpose and living out our purpose. Because when you wrote this, it was so much easier for someone to 
best understand me, best yeah. understand other people who are struggling with PCOS because the journey looks different for everybody. Right. Um, and when it comes to those cha changes and challenges, like not just weight management for Cynthia, but it was her her mental and emotional stress. It was everything she was taking on. It was the anxiety of living for right now, not knowing when she's going to get what it is that she really wants and if her body's going to even allow her right. to get what she really wanted. It was so many things and representation when it came to her health that it, it was like in every chapter, I was just rooting for her. And yeah. to know the stressors and the triggers of people that didn't deserve to be in there, it was just like, please just let them go. Let yeah. them go. But we mm -hmm. talked about that too. We talked about how we're easy to give people excuses and mm -hmm. passes just mm -hmm. because we still want them to somewhat still be in our life yeah. um, or be a part of something when we know we really just need to let them yeah. go. Like yeah. just really let mm -hmm. them go. Mm -hmm. But when Cynthia started walking that walk, <laughs> in that neighborhood yeah um she it made me think about myself um me and my golden dude spencer and we just mm -hmm. walking and he enjoys walking i enjoy walking with him we're out there doing a doggone thing and we know cynthia got a little friend that came out there and started walking with her too mm -hmm. but it's like when you really start getting intentional about it you really start feeling better about yourself yeah. and you stop looking at the scale wondering about the weight falling because naturally the weight is coming off when she started meal prepping and yeah. you know she already was a cook because she was showing out in book one with yeah. the themes. <laughs> she was showing out one, book one with the themes. Like I was like, oh my goodness, my mouth was watering at the the platters and stuff that she would even have laid out at the um the book meetings. Mm -hmm. But it was it was just I just I'm so grateful for you to um, have created that space uh, for Cynthia because I just feel like we don't get enough. Um, understanding and support that we should. Um, and if pe more people knew about it, I feel like they would be a little bit more supportive, but it shouldn't always have to take someone close to you for right. you to um, be kind um, yeah. and be mindful. I, mm -hmm. I think those are the best ways I can say it. Because I remember in college, um, I think somebody said something to someone else like, why don't you just like, like just get her mustache shaved off or something else. And it's just kind of like, I was kind of scared because I've yeah. always heard like when you just like take certain hair off on certain places, it grows back real yeah. thick. And yeah. I was just like, I'd hate to take it off. What seems just nice and thin of a mustache, mm -hmm. and you rip it all off. And then that now it comes hard. out full fledged. Like, I'll be like, oh, oh, I'm not ready. Um, and so it took me a little longer. Like I'll do the eyebrows, but yeah. it took me a little longer with, with the mustache and then like the, the chin and the, the neck. And it was mm -hmm. just like, mm, I don't know. I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. And then now to be able to just have people that just embrace you when you got the ingrows coming in, it's just kind of like, it's, it's just life and they still love you. It, yeah. it hits a, a whole nother level because it's something that you can't really control. And mm -hmm. then you're not always sitting there trying to agitate your skin all the time, trying to get rid of you know, hair that is stimulated by a hormonal imbalance while you're mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to balance that hormone. Um, yeah. So I just, I loved it. I absolutely love the way you came about uh, with Good Morning Beautiful. And it, even though it was Victor with his trifling behind sending the text <laughs> messages, I was just so wanting Cynthia to just always wake up and look at herself and say, Good morning, beautiful. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know, was that your your intention behind mm -hmm. it? Like you wanted mm -hmm. her to keep 
carrying it for someone who didn't deserve it. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. I wanted her to be to be able to say that to herself. Just literally what you said. I wanted her to hear that from herself, not wait on it from him. It was so empty every time she heard it from him. And how many other women was he sending that same text message to? Who even knows? So it, it doesn't even matter. Oh, uh, we do know. Said. The lady at the yeah. church who was at the Biltmore. <laughs> With the first lady at the table. What Girl. So messy. I love it. <laughs> All the way. Did you catch that part at the bar? Where did you pick up on that side story to put that in the book? Because I was like, girl, and then he all in the background, right, not trying right. to smile in the picture. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's something. He was, he was. But I like that you showed um, how we have to work out harder than other people just to try mm-hmm. to find a way to connect. Uh, with our body to see a change. Um, yeah. I, I love that aspect too. Um, but I know we talked about the relationships. Um, we talked about the relationship theme and relationship being the spice of life. And we know about her relationship with her mom, with Victor, and then this other character you bring about across the street. Um, and I love those relationships um, and how she navigated through them. And there was this maturity of relationship, not only just with herself, but with other people. And I thought that was really, really beautiful. Um, but let's talk about the relationship that you had to create when it came to your healthcare providers. So let's talk about the relationship that you had to have with your physician and then with your OBGYN and how that kind of came about because those yeah. relationships matter a lot, especially women of color. Um, yeah. We're trying to advocate for our health issues and health concerns. Take us through that relationship. Um, I think the biggest thing I learned was just be transparent. You know, you're not there to impress your doctor. You're not there to be friends with your doctor. You want a doctor you feel some friendliness with or some type of connection. But at the end of the day, you need to be honest and let them know who you are, which is what I did with my doctor. Um, I wasn't afraid by her diagnosis or her findings, because like I said, I have heard this from a lot of women in my family and in my life, but the first doctor that she referred me to for the surgery was very indifferent. Um, she had great reviews online. I did all my research. I did all the things. I came with a list of questions. I had reviewed my labs before I went there, but when she walked in the room, her first time ever meeting me ever, she just sat in front of me and she said, so this thing's the size of a baby's head. So what do you want to do? I can remove it laparoscopically or, you know, you can just leave it. And when you go through menopause, it'll just start shrinking. You know, if it's not bothering you, you can just leave it. And I just looked at her like, wait, wait, wait a minute. First of all, hi, how are you? Good morning. <laughs> also, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you how I'm feeling. Let me ask some questions. Um, I think that she probably was a decent surgeon. I don't know, but I didn't feel comfortable. I'm, I'm learning at this big age of 46 to listen to my gut. I just didn't feel comfortable. I know there are a lot of doctors out there. So it's just a matter of doing a little research. So I went back to my physician though, and I was honest and I just said, Hey, I just was put off by her approach. 
I don't think she said anything wrong, but I just would like a second opinion and I would like to find somebody I'm comfortable with. And doctor had no problem. You're not offending the doctor if you ask questions. If you feel like you're offending your doctor when you ask questions, you need another doctor. That's just it. It's your health. It's my health. So she gave me another referral. I met another doctor. She was warm. As soon as she walked in the room, she pulled right up to me. Our knees were touching each other. And she just told me about her kids and her experiences, asked me about my children. So we just connected before we ever got into the technical, the logistics of surgery. She just took 30 seconds to connect with me. It made all the difference. So I think that's the biggest thing in this journey is you're a part of your, you're a part of the team that's going to help you get better. Everybody else is here to help you do that. But you have to be honest. You can't hide anything. You know, if you're not eating right, if you're cheating on your diet, if you're not working out and you're not drinking your water, just tell it. It's okay. There's no judgment. There shouldn't be any judgment. But you have to tell these things so the doctors can know how they can help you. And so you can make sure you find the person that's going to be the right fit for you. I think that's, I that's the biggest takeaway. Just you're You're the biggest participant in this team. Your health. Because it's all about you. Yeah. That you're the center of it all. And you yeah. you still have, like you said before, you still have the option, the authority, the power to say, this mm -hmm. is what I want and this is what I don't want. And mm -hmm. I think just to add on to that, what you were talking about earlier is overtell, like yeah. oversay what it is that you're doing. Like, like you said, there's no judgment. Create that safe space, but overtell. If you mm -hmm. know you go through um, I had another guest on before. If you know you go through a, a pad in 30 minutes, say that. I go through about such and such amount of pads every time on my period. Then that allows them to know, okay, this isn't normal. This is heavy bleeding because you don't know what, like you said right. earlier, you don't know what is normal, what is not normal. Right. Um, in debilitating pain, normally two days before my period starts, pain all the way through and then maybe days afterwards say that like over tell just because okay. they might feel like they're rushed or they're in a time a certain time frame take your time take yeah. your time or write up an email write up something to give yeah. to them so they can have all of these notes before they even see you do mm -hmm. your due diligence to over tell yeah. like yeah. I, I i think that because i had such a great healthcare team during my diagnosis and during my journey, I don't take it lightly um, because I had people that cared about me because they knew me personally. So that way I was already being heard. I was already being seen. Yeah. I was already being cared for. I was already loved. I didn't have to fight as yeah. much as what other people that looked like me had to fight because I had a sorority sister that was my primary care physician and a sorority sister that was my nurse care practitioner because I knew a sorority sister in the area that was an OBGYN who could vouch and say my endometriosis specialist, the surgeon who was going to do my exorcism and surgery was good at what he did. I trusted myself going into all of that. And because that grace and that mercy was covered over me. I don't want to take it lightly to say, y'all, we don't have to continue to stay with subpar service. We don't have to continue to subject ourselves to people who don't want to hear us, don't want to respect us, don't care about our pain, let alone what we're actually going through. And so I love that you said you are a part of your team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't feel like you're a part of it, leave and find someplace else. It's okay to find what works for you, but overtell. Yeah. Like tell it so much that they have to hear you and they get aggravated because you got to keep mm-hmm. repeating yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think you talked about it before too. Like you already did your research and that was a beautiful thing that you brought into Cynthia. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. was a little bit of yourself when it mm-hmm. came to Cynthia. You know, Cynthia goes through, Cynthia, y'all, we're talking about Good Morning Beautiful. <laughs> Her second book, Cynthia, the main character in book number two, um, you know, her journey with going to the doctor's office and having those conversations and then changing doctors towards the end. And that doctor at the end was a totally different vibe. And even within that vibe, we got a totally different, you know, outlook and Mm -hmm. health outcome that, you know, came with that vibe, which was beautiful mm-hmm. as well. Um, no pun to good morning, beautiful. But it, it, it was such a, a beautiful relationship to mm-hmm. be considered. And I know a lot of people wanted to focus on Victor and they wanted to focus on lover boy. But at the end of the day, and they focused even on her mom because we saw the relationship focal point and trust. Um, mm-hmm. The shirt that she's wearing, that's book one, trust. Mm-hmm. And we saw the relationships with her mom being a real... Um, heavy relationship to mm-hmm. navigate through for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what we didn't talk about? The mood swing. So we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah. the heavy relationships. But I, I love that you brought that healthcare provider perspective into mm-hmm. the book because we need to talk more about that. That healthcare journey for us mm-hmm. isn't always equitable. Um, right. And we're not always heard. And I think that it was beautiful. One, I thank you for sharing your story and being vocal about it and being honest um, but two, I'm grateful that you brought it into Cynthia's story because mm-hmm. we need that. We need to know that it's okay to do our research because we must be empowered. We must be our number one advocate first. Um, so we don't just take what they tell us. But two, we have to know that they do what we say we want them to do because right. they get through us and our willingness to be a part of whatever treatment plan that they right. provide. Um, but something else that I wanted to talk about because I saw it was not only was health, uh, Cynthia starting to make those healthy habits and lifestyle changes by movement, she was also starting to eat better. We talked about the meal prep, but even when she went on date with old dude, she yeah. went ahead and got her a salad with some yeah. grilled chicken tenders. Like mm-hmm. she really started to change what she was eating. Have you ever considered mm-hmm. like once you had your surgery, did you do any healthy habits or lifestyle changes to better help uh-huh. support you? Was it from stress management? Was it stuff that you ate or maybe you didn't eat? What it mm-hmm. was it movement? What it did that look movement. like for you? It was movement for me. I am um I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> I love salad and vegetables, man. I get so excited to get to my salad at lunch every day. Vegetables, <laughs> I love them. Um, I've never even cared much about whether I'm vegan or vegetarian. I do eat meat. Put yourself in a box. Yeah, I don't, but I just, I happen to love really fresh, healthy food. And I happen to love water. I mean, you don't have to tell me to drink more water. I love these things. I like them. Like I I started drinking black coffee three years ago because I was like, I don't want the cream. I, I really could just drink hot water with lemon. Why am I? I don't know. I get geeked up about it, but that's what I like. Um, and that's okay. Also, you can get geeked also, up about your water. That ain't me. I ain't a water hyper. That's mm-hmm. why I'm like, I don't understand. Some people like hate drinking water. <laughs> They'll find little drops to put in them. They got to mix them with something. Just give me the water as much as I can get. I love it. 
But no, I did I the meal. I used to do like the Mio in there to try to get my water. And that's when I felt like I was the most hydrated because I could put the Mio in there. And to me, it just felt like I was making myself some Kool-Aid within the water. And I was just like, once I started looking at the stuff that was in it, like the more conscious I get being, you know, yeah. continuing to be an intentional on my journey, I'm paying attention to ingredients because now I'm being mindful of what I'm putting in. I'm just like, yeah. ooh. Let's yeah. just drink the water, Giovanni. Let's just drink the water. And then now, like even with like the PCOS and the endometriosis, they talk about different toxins and they talk about how bad plastic is. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. OK, so let's take out the plastic water bottle. So now I'm drinking canned water and I'm like, OK, yeah. I can get this in. Yeah, I can get this in. But I got to be more motivated so I can drink more because I can feel when I'm dehydrated. I love yeah. juicing so okay. I can drink juice. Mm -hmm. fresh fruit juice but yeah. just straight water i have to get a little bit more into it until my body's just like girl crack a can open and turn up yeah that's how i feel about it but i love the vegetables too and i don't you were always like that were you always a salad girl like for always. whatever you could imagine yeah. you were just a salad and vegetable okay mm -hmm. all right but I, I mean, my body craves it like now. i said i'm a big contradiction because give me pasta give me pizza i love cheese don't ever take it away but I like salad. I just like fresh food. I can I even like do a salad food. for breakfast. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I've literally told someone not long ago. I was like, why don't they have breakfast salad? I would. I would be all over that. That should be a thing. But really, you can still go to you can go to Wendy's and get an apple pecan salad. They have them ready in the morning. I just so. I make my own. I will. I mean, I'll buy a salad, but you know, I'm trying to save money and be cost conscious and. Know what's Especially in your food. In the year. Yeah. And know what's in your food. That's probably the biggest one. So A huge one. Literally like salad dressing. Balsamic vinegar and olive oil. And some Italian seasoning. Whatever. Oregano or whatever you have. That's it. I don't. I, I just told my mom today. Food. I was like, we need to get into making our own dressing. Like yeah. it, it should be very simple. It's so easy. She was like, we can do this. And I was like, we yeah. can. So let the dressings we bought be the yeah. last dressings That's, we buy. <laughs> put, your, put your oil and vinegar in, a, in whatever seasonings you mm -hmm. want in a container. Just shake it really, really hard. Put it on your salad. You're done. You're eating. <laughs> I'll probably do a little bit more just because I got to get into the habit of it. Like I might need uh -huh. to blend up like some mango because we like a good mango vinaigrette. Uh -huh. Like maybe like some strawberries or something and blend that with it. But mm -hmm. I was just like, we definitely have to start making our own salad dressings. Like we yeah, need yeah. to get more simplified with yeah. what we're putting into our body so we can continue to feel good and properly mm -hmm. fuel ourselves. Mm -hmm. But speaking of my mom, mm -hmm. so she always used to be like, oh, you must be PMSing. You're getting a little bitty. Like that mm -hmm. was her little thing. And I'll just mm -hmm. be like, is this your nice way of calling me a little? Right. Because, right. you know, it's that time of the month. And I'm thinking... Mm -hmm. Is that normal? Like, is it okay for people to just get a little, you know, bitty on the yeah. time of the month? Um, but then it kind of came into once I got a diagnosis, it was like, oh, mood swings. Yes. How you just really don't have the time for it a little bit more in certain yeah. areas of the month. It's like yeah. your, 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 let me see, your, um, your capacity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> To yes. deal with certain things you see i had to find the right words yes. no writer like you perfect <laughs> it was it was perfect that's exactly yeah and it's it like mm, 
Talk to yeah. me about these mood swings because you 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 allow Cynthia to have these mood swings even at work. Yeah. <laughs> she was talking to a few people and then she reflected like, yes. yeah, she probably won't be coming back to talk to me no more today about this. Talk to me about <laughs> the mood swings. You know why I wanted to show that because um, Cynthia can be a lot sometimes. She's a sweetheart, but she can, she wants things a certain way. She can be a little bit. I won't say abrasive, but a little strong sometimes in her approach, but she's a soft hearted person. We all do that, especially if hormones are involved. And it's like, as soon as those words come out of your mouth, as soon as you, your facial expression changes, you know, you know, you said something out of pocket, you know, you cut somebody a little deeper than you meant to. You didn't even mean to. It just came out. You know, you said it. I wanted people to realize two things. One, when that happens, whoever that person is in your life and you're like, they, I don't like how they talk to me. I don't like, they always have an attitude. No, they probably feel like crap two seconds after they do it. Give people some grace, honestly. Now, you can't run all over me <laughs> or anybody, but you give them grace. Nobody's perfect. I know I've snapped at some people very close to me and I, I feel horrible immediately, but it's only been, I don't know, maybe the last probably less than 10 years that I've gotten to a place where I could be mindful of it and I can go ahead and address that right away and at least say, I don't feel like myself right now. Like it doesn't excuse what I did, what I said, or my attitude or my energy. Sometimes you can just pick up on it when somebody is near you. They're just, is not right. And I, I can't be on guard all the time. I can't be perfect all the time. I just got to be me. I'm just trying to exist just like all of us. So forgive me if I'm a little bit short, if I'm a little bit rude, if I'm a little bit snappy, I can at least tell you now, I don't feel like myself right now. So you could decide if you want to come into my space because <laughs> you might catch the smoke if you come in my space, but I already gave you fair warning. I just need a moment. <laughs> I might need a day. It's okay. I've, I've gotten to a point with my best friend. We can be on the phone and one of us can pick up on the other one's mood. She's not in that mood today. Hey, I'm gonna call you back. Call me back. It's fine. Just take your space. Take your space and create your space too. So I love it. Take yeah. your space and create mm -hmm. your space. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. Take your space and create your space. Yeah. So if you know you're not feeling like yourself today, take your space. Yeah. Create, create it. Your space. Yeah. And it's okay because you're going to give yourself grace. Yes. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. I got it. That's I love it. it. <laughs> that is. That is. I like it. I'm with it all the way. Okay. I like yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. So I, I like that. I love that. Yeah. And that's something mm. I've been trying to teach my daughters too. I mean, I think the earlier you can learn to be self-aware, be responsible for yourself and, and just be mindful and be patient with yourself. I think the earlier you learn that, the better. So my daughters are 18 and 20 and I'm telling, I've been telling them since they were in middle school, Hey, I noticed you were, moody today when you came home you know what's wrong nothing 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 okay you might not know what it is you might not be able to put your finger on the thing because I felt like that too but you don't seem like yourself right now so go do what you need to do by yourself when you're ready to rejoin us come back in 
But also tell us if you're not feeling like yourself so we don't keep asking you 20 times what's wrong, what's wrong, because that's annoying. Don't ask me so many times. But also if you don't want someone to keep pestering you and asking you what's wrong, just be honest. I don't, I'm not, I'm not good today. I like it. Actually, I love it. And I appreciate you for that. And since we're on daughters, um, so I want to know, um, what advice would you give to girl dads, um, those dads that might be in the house by themselves, um, the mother not um, present physically anymore or being there? Um, what insight or encouragement would you give to these girl dads about being a part of um, the menstrual health of their daughters? Because so many times I feel like we act as if period talk is taboo or something that guys shouldn't talk about um, or, you know, isn't such a comfortable topic when your period is just a cleansing, um, just like doing number two, having a bowel movement um, Mm -hmm. is is a cleanse. And so if your bowel movements, there's issues with that, you should want to be able to discuss that just as well. There's issues with the other way that you cleanse, um, you know, with your womb health. What, how, how should these fathers approach creating this safe space um, with having conversation with their daughters and supporting them the best way possible to have that healthy period life? Um, I love that question because I really thought you were about to ask, like, you know, as a mother, what do you say? Like we do, we say, we do all the stuff as mothers, but a girl dad, I think the biggest thing that a girl dad can do is just listen, ask Mm -hmm. questions, but don't assume. Um, I know even as an adult woman, you know, if I'm in a mood today and my husband walks up and says, oh, you must be PMSing, sir, you don't even know what PMS is. Like, don't, don't, don't come in this room (laughs) with that. (laughs) You don't know what that is. And like you said about not having the capacity for it, when you're already in that in that way, everything is a trigger. And then you're coming in saying you must be PMS. Sorry, you don't know PMS. (laughs) So don't. (laughs) I think that's the thing. Don't come in assuming. You don't know this struggle. Don't be talking about stuff you don't know. That's how you be acting. But you can ask because I'll tell you, you know, because I'm because I'm self-aware now and you know emotionally I have evolved. I can use my words, I can tell you how I'm feeling. So ask, I'll tell you, you know, and don't don't shrink away. Don't act like you're so grossed out when I tell you these yes. things. Because I'm really, I'm really dealing with this like regularly. So I so think this girl dads need to listen. Yeah. They don't need to be grossed out. No. And okay. don't come in thinking that you know how it goes let her tell you and if she doesn't know like a young girl she doesn't know that's a great opportunity for y'all to learn more about it together i love that you still feel like you're invested in it too and you're (laughs) that was beautiful i like that okay girl dads little gym there come on i like it i just i just love it i just really I just want them to be more a part of the conversation, even if the mom is in the household. Like I I just because there's so many other aspects, I feel like there shouldn't be anything that should be hands off 
when it comes to um, a dad in a relationship with their daughters and anything that they want to talk about or be about. Because at the end of the day, that daughter Mm-hmm. has the potential to continue your legacy when it comes right. to your family. Right. And that that that's a powerful thing. Um yeah. so I, I just I I just want them to be a little bit more a part of that conversation. Yeah. But the last question. I got mm-hmm. the last question. If you could have a meal with any historical figure, who would that historical figure be and what would you all eat? Lord have mercy. Uh, a historical figure? Yes, an historical figure. Let me know if you need help. You know what? There's so many. Mm-hmm. Like, we could probably have a round table. <laughs> Create your round table. I'm not going to take that away for you. Create your round table. Go ahead. Have a round table. Um... But I would love to talk to some of the women that were behind the civil rights movement, for one, the women that were behind it. Okay. Because if your husband or boyfriend or father is like the head, and I'm not just talking about Martin Luther King, there were so many so many men that did a lot, but there were a lot of women that were just trying to hold it down and support them and to be a support system for a man when he has a lot of pressure on him and is doing a lot. Um, I'm just curious about how you do that. And what was it like, what kind of strength did you tap into on the inside to be able to do that? So that's like going back a little bit, but um my first thought was Michelle Obama. I don't know if she is. I guess she's a historical figure. I don't know. But um, I'm just so intrigued by her. I just want to talk to her. I just want to know what's happening. Um, and then, again, like I said, now I'm just getting more into, like, who I'm just really interested in. <laughs> um, I would love to sit at the table with Issa Rae and have a meal. I don't, I don't know if she's a historical figure yet, but I believe Why wouldn't she be? I don't know because I don't know what 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 are the parameters for a historical figure. I don't. It's know whatever you make it. It's whatever you make it. I might be overthinking it, but you I just are. That's why I said. Let me know if you need help. Because my <laughs> when my granddaddy said it one time, he said I was a historical figure. Then another time, oh. I asked him, he said his wife was a historical figure. So yeah. I feel like it's whatever you make it to be. Yeah. And that's why yeah. I think that's what the creativity is in regards mm-hmm. to just asking that question because you never know who deem someone as a historical figure. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to be dead, but they made some type of significant impact, you know, that you feel is honorable, that you would love to just sit down and meet with them, eat with them. Because, you know, as a culture, that's a fellowship. You know, we like to eat and we like Mm -hmm. to, you know, talk and bond. Um, So I like it. So we got a round table. Yeah. At this round table, we have the women Mm -hmm. of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So we're tapping into them and their resiliency mm-hmm. with never adversity, you know, mm-hmm. so that might be our appetizing conversation with <laughs> those women at the table. Yeah. Then we got Michelle Obama. We mm-hmm. tapping in Michelle mm-hmm. Obama. You having your chit chat. And then we got Issa yeah. Rae. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All we'll right. Finish with Issa Rae. <laughs> so what we eating though? What's okay. this in power play? 
<laughs> a, a huge salad. Some, I should have known. Some good broiled salmon. Okay. <laughs> with some something sweet and spicy. Definitely something green on the side. And some wine. And Issa okay. Rae just came out with a new wine. So if, if she's at the end, we got to drink her wine. Okay. So we popping bottles mm -hmm. of Issa Rae's, mm -hmm. Issa Rae's wine. Mm -hmm. All right. With some broiled mm -hmm. salmon, a good salad. Some yeah. greenery, you say? You got some greens yeah. on the side? Some greens, yeah. Some broccoli, okay. spinach, string beans, Brussels. Okay. I told you. We have... <laughs> and we should this have a charcuterie board. We should have a giant charcuterie board. Okay, what's all on that? All the cheese and the almonds, some dark chocolate. Okay. Um, crackers and some hummus. Yeah. Ooh, and I okay. like that spicy um honey that jam you drizzle on sometimes with your salami and your cheese yeah you can get me i can go all day about charcuterie That's, and healthy foods do you think girl this is this we ain't on the empire plates and empire lives for nothing okay you can go along all you want to but y'all books by days yeah I read book one. She has it on her shirt. It is yeah. trust. Yeah. Holding up book two. Uh -huh. Good morning, beautiful. Good morning, beautiful, y'all. Polycystic ovary syndrome. Main character Cynthia. Beautiful story of representation, um, resilience, just powerful uh, community support. We didn't even get into Jalene, but Jalene being oh. her really good friend and yeah. being her backbone through some of the obstacles and hardships and even being a listening ear when she could barely have quietness in yeah. that bathroom just to yeah. talk to her friend to provide her support but speaking of Juline, she's the main character of book three yes. it all falls down you already see <laughs> i'm in there chapter two i've already read this book i've already read um books one and two i'm reading book three now I heard book four is in the works. Yes. It is coming. Yes, it is coming. All yes. three books, I believe, is on, available now on Audible as well. Mm -hmm. yes, yes, on Audible. Um, but, y'all, it's been an absolute pleasure. But I want books by Danis. Go ahead. Talk <laughs> to them. Let them know everything good about you, where they can find you. Um, and give them a little... Give them a little word of empowerment, too, as you conclude, after you tell them everywhere that you are, everything that you have to offer. But give the people some empowerment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so honored to have have you, first of all, like I said, recognize all the little details and nuggets I put into these stories because they were all intentional. Sometimes I didn't know how they would be received or what, what you would get out of them, but everything was intentional in these stories. So it was a privilege to share those. Um, all my books are available now on Audible. If you like an audiobook, they're available on my website, booksbydanis.com. You can buy them um, anywhere books are sold on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get an ebook for your Kindle, however you want it, you can get it. If you order from me, I will sign them. I'll send you a bookmark, just like the one that you just had, Giovanni, in your book. Um, and as far as some empowerment for the listeners, I would say if it's on your heart to do it, do it. But most important, finish it. We all have so many ideas. We are such a creative people. But 
it's hard to finish something sometimes. It's worth it though. So if it's on your heart, if it's in your mind, you know, they say if you can conceive it, you can be it. You know, if you believe it, you can achieve it. That those are real. The power of the mind is not a joke. I think I'm quoting Drake right now. But anyways, yes. <laughs> if you think of it, if you believe you can do it, just shut out the noise. And just do it. And sometimes shutting out the noise is your own noise. You know, we will talk ourselves out of things, but just push that to the side. If you can do it, finish it. I know there's um a lot of people that I talk to are interested in writing books too. Like I said, I'm self-taught, but I was fortunate to connect with a lot of people that were willing to give me free information and help me. I still had to do it, but the information is free and available. And I'm happy to share anything I know with anybody. So if somebody that's listening or even you, Giovanni, if there's a book in you and you want to write it and you need some help or some tips, hit me up. I will be more than happy to help. That's just me paying it forward. Man, we appreciate you. We thank you for the love. I thank you for being here um, and just showing up and vibing with me. I appreciate it so much. And thank you for your creativity. Um, I truly appreciate it. And you just got me more excited to um, live my best life, but most importantly, to live freely, yeah. no matter what diagnosis has been placed my way. Um, but I think that's what I love most about it is just continuing to be free. Um mm -hmm. But just being you and seeing what aligns and who aligns with you and what you attract when it comes to just living and being intentional about being intentional and living with purpose. And I'm, I'm grateful for both of us to be able to share this space together today uh, for us to empower other people whenever they may listen um, to this episode. But even through your books and even through my excitement as a reader of your books. So I greatly appreciate you for that. Um, but y'all, thanks for vibing with us in here today for another episode of the Empowered Plates, Empowered Lives podcast, a place where we're exploring journeys of strength, uh, where we're visible and vocal. But at the most important aspect, we want you to be empowered to live your best life. Be loved, be well, but most importantly, be free. Yes. Yes. <laughs> y'all stay loving light. We love y'all.